1: And here we are with the fifth and last NRL podcast with the final round of the regular season upon us, Boxhead. The year has flown by, um, but I think it's probably fair to say at this point that we're ready for some finals football. There's been, unfortunately, uh, a few teams, especially probably the bottom six, where the wheels have really fallen off. We've seen some blowouts the last couple of weeks, but it's looking like one hell of a top eight.
2: Yeah, top nine, really, isn't it? That's all that can really fall in and fall out. And it's probably unlikely now that Brisbane are going to get in, so we may well be down to our our final eight, and it's a good final eight, I'm excited about the finals.
1: 100% we see probably the best sort of form across the eight that we've seen in a long point of time, and that's not just, as a matter of fact, of the shape of the sides, the talent of the sides, but actual form coming into the finals across the board, or the ability of all those teams across the board, but let's jump in, kick things off as we do every week with our set of 6 and the show is always brought to you by bluebet.com.au if you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport make sure you do it with the true blue Aussie bookie download the app today or visit the website and with our charity account last week ringa a ding ding I finally said what I do what I should have been doing uh, because you know across the weekend sometimes sort of zoned out followed in one of my own bets which was just sticking with Hudson Young and I think it's the 7th week in a row or 7 out of the last nine he scored so Banked another 90. Um, So we're now up to $832.50 for the charity Bears of Hope. So, positive result. Thank you again to bluebet.com.au. But tackle one, um, it's probably been a real big talking point for a lot of people, specifically out of game one on Friday night, but across the last couple of weeks and just in general. And then now players coming out themselves and saying that, you know, fines aren't enough to deter, and is the, the match review committee. Um, and some of the stuff that happened over the weekend. I'm just kind of lost on this one because, again, it's the old thing where no one's ever exactly 100% happy, but before we didn't want players missing games. Fines were enough of a deterrent because you hit him in the pocket. That hurts. Now we've got the players saying on the flip side of it, you know, it hurts more when you miss games. Like You can't have your cake and eat it. I probably understand that there's been some things go by the wayside. I probably agree that you shouldn't be able to cop four or five guilty Great ones in a row, like they're talking about in the Nelson situation, or some players' situations where I think Jared as well has had three or four fines in a row now, still without charge. Um, mm. but again, this is the cry before was that we're rubbing guys out for minor offences. Now, the cry is sort of going back the other way that it hurts more when you miss games. Well, you know, I, I don't agree with the match review committee's judgment on a lot of things at the best of times, but just find it funny that we just keep going back and forth on this. I think the off season. Well and truly, not a last minute change, not an in-season change that like we had this time with the whole system. It needs to be really sat down and looked at properly once and for all and given a good shake-up and have some really clear guidelines about how things are moving forward.
2: Yeah, again, <clears throat> that this is something we cover every year. It feels like we go around in circles. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think I think it's achieving its purpose in that I don't want to see players rubbed out unless it's nah. for really deliberate stuff. I think we've, I've made that. Pretty clear in my opinion when we've discussed this uh, previously. Yeah, were there some there? Like, I, I don't under, I don't get the Lindsay Collins one. I, I don't think that's f- worth four weeks, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, and probably more to the more to the fact around that tackle in particular was just the <clears throat> commentary around it with people saying that you know our oh, coaches really need to look at coaches need don't to get coach that. that. There is no like. The one thing that I will consistently clip yeah. in review is players losing their legs in tackles. It's fatigue. It's the worst, the worst possible thing mm-hmm. you can do defensively because you lose your weight. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just the next tackle. More often than not, if you lose your legs, you're out of the next tackle. Mm. It means on the next play, you defend with tall players, and it's just not.
1: It's just not conducive to good defence. But in every... So... Yeah, like yeah, and, and the rest every,
2: of it, you want to get really technical, yeah you, don't, yeah, you don't want to lose your legs. Without
1: going too far, but like you said, in every sense of the word though, your power is you having your legs, having a good base, taking away their base. The, the way to do that isn't to just lose your weight altogether and sandbag them, like we want them to pull their legs together and push from the side or get their ass back in front and push them backwards or... You know, we've seen the old blade technique, which now you obviously get into dangerous territory when people talk about cannonballs. If you go around the knee or above the knee, etc. But if anyone actually still really believes with this bullshit peddled journalism that there's legit practice at training of people hip dropping, you're kidding yourself. It's it's a high contact sport. There's a lot of fatigue. There's bad technique that comes into it, especially your middles. They're the ones who more generally seem to be the ones doing it or forwards, where you see those. Three man tackles and those struggles and those contests where some blokes just generally tired, shit technique, they lose their legs and unfortunately sometimes they hit. The ones that kill me, like you're talking about, are the subjective ones. So, Brandon Smith the other week's initial contact and in a tackle swings around, there's no intent at all. I, I,
2: I, I thought that one was ridiculous.
1: That, so that's my right? point. But then Felicia the other night, the <laughs> media's try to drag that one in and say how bad that one was. It's a similar deal again. Like, there's no initial intent, but sometimes in a tackle you just end up in a, in a bad spot. Yeah. Like, it's a game of Accidents, And we had the talk the other week about the Finucane situation where I could sort of see part of it, but I I didn't agree with it completely because you can't avoid, you know, all collisions because late footwork, split second actions. But we had the Cohen Hess one the other night where, you know, they sent him straight to the Sydney and he looked more dazed and rattled than Campbell Graham did. Then Campbell Graham didn't do a HIA and he's out for a week now. So it almost seems like, well, he got binned, it looked bad, you know, but he was in a bad state. We're not too sure, even on the slow mo. Was it head to head? Was it shoulder to head? We can't be clear, but it looked dangerous. So we'll just yeah. give him a week. Yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> uh, it's more, it's just this point again that like we've had about all of things. Like you can't have your cake and eat it. At first, it was we don't want blokes rubbed out of games. Now it's, you know, they're getting away with it, or there's blokes that are repeat offenders that have done four or five times, e.g., e. Nelson Assoff Sol- Solom- Solomono taking five guilty pleas for grade ones, et cetera. Like- yeah. I understand some frustrations, but again, it just seems to be another week where the media's bored, we're waiting for the finals, the footy hasn't been the greatest the last couple of weeks, and now we find something else to sort of bang the drums and beat up about it. And let's be honest, and I do this all the time, we say this all the time, if you watch video, week in, week out, and you want to go through with a fine-tooth comb in every game and find every little nitpicking piece of shit, forearm, cheeky knee, elbow, you'll find heaps. You really will. Yeah. It's no different to what we talk about with ruck interpretations or penalties or referees all the time. If you underpin to pin every moment of a legal play in a game, whether it be a ruck, hand on ball, third man in, offside, offside of the kickoff, offside on a kick, escort, etc., you would have no flow in a rugby league game at all. Literally none. No, you wouldn't. So, you know, I understand, but it just... Yeah, coming into finals, like I said, I'm all with you. Unless it's a real deliberate act or something horribly, horribly wrong, like... Oh, hopefully the fines are a deterrent. Maybe they need to ramp the fines up, I don't know. But the whole thing that now suddenly oh you do anything like this or any sort of minor contact, like you've got to get hammered and whether they like it or not as well, I'm pretty sure this new system from what I recall is a clean slate for the finals again. So even if you've now hit your limit of fines for the year, I think in the finals you get one more fine if you get a grade one again. Even if you've burnt your repeat offences during the year. Okay. So if you come up with a minor contact this week or something that's considered a grade one, again, I'm pretty sure you get a clean slate for the finals just for one charge, for the same purpose, to not rub you out of a game, Mm. so I don't know, I I see both sides, but I probably agree that we've gone from one extreme to the other, and we still have a lot of inconsistency, is it something they should probably sit down and do, yes, did they sort of rush in this model this year, yes, they probably did, they've rushed in a lot of things over the last couple of years, and they've tried to make some changes, some good, some bad, but um, all in all, like I said, there's a lot of subjective things in rugby league and there's a lot of things that are accidents mm. that don't actually have as much intent as what people like to think. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of talk about that heading into the finals. Hopefully, we don't have any of those moments. We don't have a Billy Slater moment. We don't have any of those sort of things that pop up where the whole week's fed off that sort of shit rather than focus on the games. Because at the end of the day, the thing that frustrated me around this is that took away a lot of the talk, a lot of the positivity that came from the highest-rating Friday night football game of all time which was an awesome game of football. It was an unreal game of football. Because they chose to pick on a few incidents which you could find stuff from both sides mm. and make that the focal point again rather than talk about the outstanding game and two teams that are genuine contenders for the premiership. One in particular, and the Roosters, who were looking real shaky for a period of time there and worried about Luke Keery and a lot of guys and where they're at and how the year's going to pan out. And now yeah. they've won seven games in a row. So, really good game of football. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that one, Another sort of point that's coming up, but in a different context, tackle two, um, is the Broncos breakdown. Like, I, I know the Newcastle win and they're out of the last five and the way everything's going. And again, this week, it feels like we're back to where we were a couple of years ago. Now you've got old boys saying things. There's leaks coming out of the club. Some people are saying that Kevy sprayed him during the week, after the game, and players are unhappy. Scott Sattler, or people today, were saying that was the opposite, that the play, no one said anything and it hasn't leaked. Like, if you're Brisbane, you'd sort of feeling a little bit of deja vu, I guess. It seemed like things were heading in a good direction. They brought in some good players. Things really tightened up. And at the back end of the year here, as soon as things have got a little bit topsy-turvy again, you've got old boys' voices, you've got leagues coming from the club. It's, it's all the stuff that you sort of thought was well, hopefully a, on the yeah, way out. It all out.
2: comes out when you start losing. Yeah. but Irrespective of who the coach is. We saw this happen on the Seabold. We're now seeing a little bit of it. Not as much. Yeah. Like Kevin Walters, but... Yeah, it's, it's disappointing
1: from a like, rugby league point of view. Really like, disappointing. Let's forget all the bullshit. <laughs> what do you what do you honestly think's gone wrong there? Like, I, I've heard people say it's the origin period, and I'm like, well, that's you know that's a joke because there's other teams that have bigger injury tolls and bigger origin periods, and they rested players, so they managed their players through that. Others have said they had too heavier training load during other parts of the season. They flattened out. Others have blamed it on things like paying Haas up his contract and Stags getting dropped and his form for it. Just there's just been a lot of Comments around everything. Like, I, I still think fundamentally coming to the year I didn't have him in the eight. I still think there's fundamental flaws in that in that roster. I think mm. the positivity that man brings compared to a gamble obviously is tenfold in attack, but is someone you can definitely spot up in defence. I still think the edge back row situation, like Katewell brings a lot of positives, isn't exactly rock solid defensive at this point in time. I think Stags, in my opinion. What they paid him was a bit of a mistake for what you get week in week out, and the situation with the one I really like Mario Martin, they lost him for a period there. Tassie had a couple of good games, had some patchy form, and their nine situation's not solid. I still think overall they're fundamentally flawed. Their best seventeen is solid, but depth outside of you know a couple of those key middle forwards that they've got, obviously having Reynolds, and they've got some good players on board. Mm-hmm. I still think fundamentally they're building. I agree. So I, I know. I think I guess, well, I guess the biggest point here though is when you get to a position where you look like you're going to land in the top four, and then shit really. That's why
2: you don't look at draws. You're just every game is as important as the next. And Brisbane had some really good fo- periods of footy, no doubt about that. I think a lot of it comes back to the Reynolds, uh, the fitness of Adam Reynolds. I think that's been significant. It's pretty clear that he hasn't been healthy, and the impact that he's had on their team when he was fit, firing, and healthy, and They've had injuries in other positions, but it's probably a depth issue and a youth issue. We knew that they were young, but they've probably scratched themselves to the point of depth where they don't have enough depth to beat good and good quality, good quality in our all teams, which is what's gonna happen when you you know, you have to rescue players or you've got other guys out. And, you know, you don't know how many of those guys are actually carrying injuries, getting needles, all that sort of stuff. But in the end, their form just hasn't been good enough. Simple as that. They've pl- they played footy worthy of a, of, of a top eight position. In the last month, they haven't produced that. Mm. And they've had their asses kicked the last two weeks. And I think so. they they've only got themselves to blame.
1: The bigger thing I take again, also, when you get to a point where the defence goes back that far, that's generally an individual thing, which then turns into a. Yeah,
2: correct. I'm not going to go and overanalyse it because I, no. I don't know.
1: It also turns into. But you know, know yourself. Ad- defence is an attitude thing, and generally, <laughs> when de- when. Things go off the rails defensively. I think there's a lot of guys there that are probably happy with themselves and the way the year went. And a lot of guys got new contracts. A lot of guys played rep football for the first time or broken that sort of arena. I'm not saying focus went out the window, but I think there's a few people that certainly didn't return or come back down from early season form. Probably some of the pats on the back they have got coming out of their origin period, coming out of some contracts. And it's just really bit them on the ass at the back end of the season. A lot of guys have fallen flat. Mm. And I know I've heard a lot the last few weeks, oh, Pat Carrigan. it's Pat Carrigan. Well, at the start of the year, it was... What like you were saying—it can't happen without Reynolds. It can't happen without Haas. They won a game without Haas. They won a couple of games without Reynolds. So early. It's still early.
2: Yeah, a question, early. but, but not- I,
1: I guess moving to next year, they've got Walsh coming back, which is a situation that sort of played itself out without them really having much to do with it. It's just sort of landed back in their lap that his personal situation is leading him back to Brisbane. But um, the nine situation still something uh, to be addressed. That that ongoing. Situation with Payne Haas, a couple of those forwards that have now played rep football, they're going to have to have paid. I I think they're still in a position moving forward where I think they may have overcommitted a little bit of money to a couple of players and they've still got some roster decisions to make. So um, more than likely now, I, I think it's it's not impossible, but I, I can't see it playing out to the point this weekend that surely the Raiders can't drop the ball against the Tigers. Yeah, I really can't see it happening. I know anything's possible, and like you're saying, it's the NRL, you never trust the draw, but honestly, if the Raiders drop the ball this weekend, that is an epic fail. So I think Brisbane yeah, have you pretty should, much nothing. thrown a dart in the board and their season's done, but we'll have to see how things play out this weekend and then move on to next year and hopefully, I guess, a clean off-season and they nut out any more of these issues that they've had. Um, tackle three, another one that's sort of just one that's been thrown around like a lot of things in games, people's thoughts on resting. I'm seeing some people blowing up saying it's wrong to rest and others are you know, obviously defending, I think it's plain and simple. If you are the Panthers in this situation where I hear people going, oh, what if you're one of those fans and it's the that game and they're traveling up there and you want to see those players, well, that's just how the cookie crumbles. The draw has panned out that way. They've won enough games. They've had the highest representation in the international week. They've had a couple of guys like Tago and Taylor May playing their first year of football that have basically not missed a game or only missed a game or two. You've got veterans off off off-season surgery last year that have played the whole way and they've had the heaviest origin representation. So you win, you finish in the position they're in, you have every right, in my opinion, to rest players. I heard some people comparing it to that situation who are people that watch American sports like the NBA as well and it confuses me as to why, again, with an 88-game schedule, similar deal. Like You buy tickets, you turn up on a night and you can't be guaranteed who's going to play. Yeah, You can't be guaranteed. If it was a finals game, obviously they wouldn't be rested, but... For around 25 game that means nothing to set yourself up for success the week after for a finals game, let's say Penrith potentially the Friday night game, mm. why would they send their team with a six-day turnaround on the longest road trip in the competition bar New Zealand when they're in the competition and play their players against the team for a game that means nothing to them when they've had probably one of the heaviest workloads across the past three years in terms of finals and represent, representative football? They don't
2: have to. They've had the exactly. right to rest. Simple so, as that
1: any questions about that and I've seen some back and forth the last couple of days about it there's your answer if you win you earn the right to do what you want Yeah. if you're in a position where that's not the case well the tough titties plain yeah. and simple that's my opinion on resting players in terms of finals because <laughs> at the end of the day what are you here to do win competition if that's yeah. what's best for the Penrith Panthers that's what's best for the Penrith Panthers good luck to them tackle four Point that we sort of brought up before. Um, we've said it the last few weeks. Very excited about the way this top eight's panning out. The quality across the eight. The form of the teams coming in is probably the one thing that's really grabbed my eye when we talk about that. Like, we know Melbourne's had some injuries, but have sort of reshaped and had that cracker game on the weekend. I know Parramatta, some weeks, are just bipolar and the up and downs in their performances and their attitude, but they're the only team that's beaten Paneriff twice. They've beaten Melbourne, so we know on their best day, they've got the quality. Raiders, late sort of surge... Drums at the start of the year, a couple of injuries to key positions, getting it right at the right end. But they're 6-1 and one in their last seven games after you know that loss that wasn't expected to the Dragons. You've got the Roosters, who have now won seven games in a row after overcoming their injuries and their issues and question marks over them. Then you've got Cronulla, who are 10-1 and one coming into the final series. You've got Melbourne off their reshuffle, turning things around after losing a couple of games in a row and then putting on a couple of scores. Um, I just think, similar to what we said before, depending on how the matchups and where things land this really really has my hopes high on. and I've set the last few weeks I guarantee but I'm really really excited for this final series yeah me too um it looks close let's hope it is close it's it's the first time I genuinely feel <laughs> yeah. again and I again most years I'd say you have to be top four
2: the bottom eight team, it's yeah. the first time well, I we're really keep feel... talking about it until summer from the bottom eight.
1: exactly but there's <laughs> some years we look and we go seventh eighth fodder, five, six, there's honestly been the last few years where we just sit there and go two to three teams, done. Like I'm looking now going as much as I really, really like Cronulla, 18 errors against one of those teams like the Roosters, Souths, you know, Storm on a bad day will we'll lose you again. Cowboys have been really consistent across the year, probably going to miss out in that home final, but again, if they lose a the game week one and go back to one of those teams, could we've just seen Souths beat them without Damien Cook. Mm. Like I can easily see that situation and, Similar deal for Penrith, obviously, last year. Lost that game week one. I think it's a big factor this year with home ground actually being a home ground advantage because they're still in the clean zones then and playing at the stadium rather than at Penrith in front of an absolute raucous crowd, which it will be for week one. Yeah. But they'll want to get that job done this year, I think, in week one and not have to go the long way around the mountain. Um. So. Of course, you know, just of course.
2: Made it very, very tough for them last year.
1: Genuinely. And again, different health situation. They've probably managed it better... This time around, but just the form overall of all those coming in, and I guess the only team that you'd probably say would be coming in in a, in a bad vein of form, somewhat, would be the Brisbane Broncos if they somehow did jab that spot this weekend, but other than that, Cronulla good form, Cowboys working through some injuries, but they've had a great year. Top four spots still open, um, Power Storm tomorrow night, the last spot with the Raiders. Mat- potential matchups still to shuffle, there's... The issue, I guess, now with Jerome Hughes missing for Melbourne, but there was potential that if that Penrith side, which have played well above their eight missing players, were to get a result, that if Melbourne were to win, they could still move all the way up to third. Mm. Um, but I think the way things are looking at the moment, the top four, you know, we said about Parramatta probably wanting two bites of the chariot, having the ability to certainly challenge Penrith week one in Penrith. Um, with Hughes out now, that's a real good opportunity for Parramatta at home tomorrow night to grab finally a top four spot and have a real red hot crack at this thing despite their form. Yeah. So, really looking to see. Yeah, well, despite
2: their inconsistencies, they're in for the show, aren't they?
1: Yeah, very, very much so. Uh, Tackle five, I sort of struggled with some of these this week because a lot of stuff's sort of been repetitive and washed around again. But I think the big one, one that I've just pulled out of my own head, just given the way things are panning out right now, the Ben Hunt situation asking the Dragons that his extension be in line with Anthony Griffin. like I just don't understand that. I know he's probably loyal to him. He played for him in 2008. He's probably got a really good relationship, but where they're at, where he's at, I sort of look at that one and go, is that almost a way of trying to deter them or put it in a, a way to get himself out of there a little bit cleaner or maybe put himself on the path to exiting the club? I, I don't know because surely in his right mind, he doesn't think by any chance they're going to give an extension the same length as what he's after at the Dragons given the current situation and now what has been leaked that they inquired about Cameron Serrata at the last minute as well. Mm. Um, I don't know what Ben Hunt's sort of thinking there. And then you hear the news this week that he's talked to mob the Titans, apparently met with the Bulldogs as well. Sort of feel like a lot of the signs are pointing to an exit here for Ben Hunt. And, um, you know, I, I think for the Bulldogs situation, the reshaping there that got going on, you could do a lot worse than putting Ben Hunt next to Matt Burton and some of the players they've got there. it obviously make them very top-heavy in terms of paying a few positions. And on the flip side of that for the Gold Coast Titans, you could certainly do much worse than bringing him in, but it's almost a complete flip to where they were twelve months ago where they basically said, well, Brimson, uh, you know, young Sexton, they've got Tommy Weaver coming through, we're going with the youth, that's it. And yeah. now you've got Kieran Farrin, and then potentially in a year's time you could have a 34-year-old halfback in there alongside him. So I don't know, but... When I heard that sort of news during the week, I'm like that. That almost feels like he's sort of putting it them into a position where it's almost making it clear that he's going to be exiting. But yeah, if I if am the Dragons and the, that's a request from him, even if I do want Ben Hunt to stay, that's certainly not something I'd be willing to entertain. And I get. I think the other thing that probably surprised me. What do you think Ben Hunt's worth? They were saying that they started off at seven hundred thousand. I think that's pretty low offer for Ben Hunt. To be honest, <clears throat> like it's, uh, it's not bad money, but <clears throat> I think nine hundred. That's what I was sort of sitting there thinking. Like I understand age and years is a different thing at this point in time. And he's obviously coming off a hefty, hefty contract. But like on the open market, you can't tell me there wouldn't be half those clubs willing to pay him $900,000. Yeah. there would be some worse clubs probably at the bottom end willing to pay a million still, regardless of his age and the form he especially showed this year. Um, but that sort of surprised me. The talk was they started around seven. They were willing to get probably... Eight fifty-eight seventy-five. I thought if he said tomorrow open market or his manager message sixteen clubs, you probably get seven or eight emails back easily nine hundred plus. Mm. So uh, yeah, for the dragon situation, I just found that interesting during the week that there just seems to be more and more similar deal leaks coming out. and Then you hear that stuff about Ben Hunt. I feel there might be a change <laughs> of coach soon, and with that as well, might be uh, the exit of Ben Hunt after the next twelve months. Mm. But see so yeah, how that one plays out. Now, last one here. Tackle six brought to you by. The Penrith Solar Center is the power rankings. Tackle those rising power bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy with the team at Penrith Solar. They're passionate to help you sin bin those costs. Find out how. Visit the website today, www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1,800, 20, for quality solar solutions. Number one, uh, still the Penrith Panthers for me, Brock. Mm.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> probably got him there I suppose yeah <laughs> yeah count. I'm just not yeah oh yeah yeah I got him back there
1: yeah <clears throat> uh, number two really do you like who have you got I've left Cronulla for the <laughs> time being. 10 at 1 I'm not happy with the error rate and I think that again the draw has been pretty kind to them but I'm sort of hoping this is a situation where they're just waiting to explode come week 1 they've been missing 4 or 5 players I think they're in a pretty good position, and for more reports, again, it hasn't been confirmed just yet. But apparently, the NRL is going to let them play at home, even Yeah, I like that. Crowd. I like that. So I think they've got the right to play there. Ten thousand in a raucous prison, week one. If you're the Cowboys' there. that's a very hard task. So I've said Yeah, I've got.
2: Two. I've got Cronulla there. Haven't mm-hmm. been convincing
1: though. Uh, number three for me. I've now bumped the Roosters. Me I, too. I yep. flew down the other night last minute. It's the first time I've been in Melbourne in four years. I tipped them last week. I was wanting to see it live, and I messaged you afterwards. But as we say ourselves, you watch something on TV, then you see it in person. The physicality, um, the way they played that game, the way they adjusted with injuries on the run, and then particular, the biggest thing for me are the Roosters, not just the physicality and line speed. Their defense inside 20 is back to what it was uh, in terms of Roosters. of old. They absorbed, they celebrated all their little wins. They did not care how long Melbourne attacked them for and how long they'll camp down, especially that last 15, 20. They were just hungry for more and inviting Melbourne to keep coming after them. So mm. after seeing that live and some other things um, on the night, I, I was pretty impressed. So I put them at three.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: Number four, who do you like? Yeah, it's difficult. It's a shuffling act here. Like I know technically the Cowboys are in that situation, but you've got South, you've got Melbourne, who've played well over the last few weeks, but the health, you know, yeah, I'll probably I'll
2: probably stick Melbourne there.
1: <clears throat> I, I've probably got Melbourne there as well. Um, and then five, I'd probably say South now. like I you know I know the Cowboys are in the three there, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Cowboys have well overachieved for the youth in their roster. Um, So I'd probably have them a six.
2: So who'd you have at five, South?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've
2: got the Eels at six.
1: Yeah, well, I've got the Cowboys there. I've got the Eels at seven. I know they've had two big wins off the back of that patchy form, and I know they've taken some big scalps uh, at the... During the year, obviously, in Melbourne and the Panthers, but I just want to see it in the finals game. Yeah. That's the biggest thing for me with them. And again, the last two weeks, they've scored 113 (laughs) points against two teams that are going quite ordinary. So we've got
2: Cowboys seven and Raiders
1: at At eight. At eight, I
2: think I had the Raiders in last week when they weren't in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Brisbane, obviously, on the outside looking in. But that's what I mean. On any given day here, these matchups could be outstanding. Yeah. I think the power
2: rankings are who you think will win right now if they had to play. Each other. Which team do you think is the best based on what we've seen right now? It's not about who we think is going to win the comp. Who would win right now?
1: Mm. So there you go. That wraps up our set. That's of going six. to change
2: this week because Penrith for the rest of their whole team. Mm. Maybe we need to throw the power rankings in the bin at the end of this week.
1: Yeah, well, for the final time, be mm. Yeah, we'll just be doing a bit more heavy breakdown. Maybe we'll
2: just go power ranking last power rankings rank last week of what we rank, think heading into the final. We'll just points. rank you eight.
1: We'll just rank the 18 who, who think we think will win. We'll win it, yeah. All the way through next week before the finals kick off. Uh, but there you go. That wraps up the set of six thanks to Penrith Solar Center. Review of the games from the weekend. Eels Broncos 53 to 6. Not a whole lot to review, but like we said, 100 plus points in two weeks. For the Broncos, completely blown off the park. And it's just all those little things we talk about. 15 errors, 52 misses, 33 in effective tackles. Like their attitude defensively during that period in the middle of the year. Was the complete opposite of what we saw the few years prior. Now we're starting to see creep back in the issues of the past and the attitude of that team of the past. And on top of that, with that defending, with those errors, with the scoreline building up, comes fatigue, pressure, lack of concentration, errors, ill discipline. And uh, probably the worst part for them is their middle's been the real strong point. Uh, it's really fallen apart at the back end of the season. And what we talked yeah. about Reynolds. I looked to see how many games he's actually played. He's only technically missed four games, but I can think of at least three where he hasn't finished. So there's probably been eight contests or seven contests this year where he obviously hasn't played the full eighty minutes or been there to have the influence on the game, which is hurt. Still think, like we said, there's some spots there where they've got some holes in their roster, and uh, you know, I guess the trade out like we talked about with Mam coming in, I think he offers a whole lot more on the attacking side of things. And in their best form, earlier in the year, probably they would probably would have been even better off on top of what they were doing defensively, but. He's been spotted up real bad the last few weeks. I think Katewell must be carrying injury. He missed a bunch of tackles last week. He missed another seven this week. So you know they're just they're in a the rubble right now. Yeah. And it looks like the wheels are off. And this week they're dead set on life support mm-hmm. with the paddles being put in their chest right now, and they need a fair bit to go their way this weekend.
2: Well, they just need to control their end of the bargain. Mm. <clears throat> they
1: just uh, win. And I guess for the Parramatta side of things, we see two weeks in a row some positivity. Um, but again, the quality of opposition heading to the finals. But I think we say this all the time we know what their best football looks like. And their best football has beaten Penrith twice in the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. And it's the power game first, second phase, which was a huge factor in this game 23 offloads to six. They make you make repeat efforts, they break your line down, they get to the middle of you, and then they've got weapons on both sides of the field. I don't think anybody at this point in time, in my opinion, gets deeper in the line than Dylan Brown does right now. And the way he uses the mismatch physically of Sean Lane because he gets so deep in the line it makes defenders accountable around him, generally ends up with a half-hitting lane around the stomach or waist. And with the, the levers the bloke's got, the amount of times they've had offloads, tri-assist, line breaks, come off a Dylan Brown run, off a shift, isolating a player, getting Lane at a halfback and making a line break in the last seven or eight weeks has been incredible. The other side of the field, you've got Papa Lee. They can break you down there they can go coast to coast. They can play central. They're good at a yardage. And I think the two bits that I sort of said at the start of the year, needed to step up and they're going to need to, it's probably at the finishing touches, as I didn't know if they had enough quality at 9-1 and one to win them a comp. But Gutherson's form the last few weeks has been really good. Reid, after a flat patch the last few weeks, also been really good. But can they take that into the final series? Yeah, That's the question. But we move on from that one. Panthers, New Zealand. I don't really know what you need to say about this one. Penrith rolled out. Blue-eyed to give him a run. Fish come back, had a run. Um, you know, They started off a bit flat. They tried to score for every single set. They'll make them players. Errors on play three and four, but they're rolling on the field at ease. They conceded the first try, but once they sort of got into a rhythm and settled down, they did exactly what you'd expect them to do. They do what Penrith do well. Kick, turn you around, beat the piss out of you in your own half, get you trapped in there, just slowly start to drown you. And at the back end of the half, it paid off with three quick tries. Second half, rinse, repeat. Uh, And for the Warriors side of things, like I said, again, we've seen the best of them. When they've been at home, obviously, in this last sort of period of the year, and I think we'll see that again this year with the conclusion at home against the Titans where their sponsor, Vodafone, I'm pretty sure purchased every ticket and they're giving away for free. So they're obviously trying to make a hell of an event for it, which is outstanding. But, you know, I didn't expect them to turn up. Like, there's obviously guys that always turn up every week and have a red hot crack. But for Penrith, at this point in time, it's just a box-dicking exercise. Cleary's still missing. Arpy got an ankle injury. They took him off, let Kenny play half a game. I think the only concern they took out of this was I'm pretty sure Spencer Lenu might have a serious shoulder injury. Um, There's been no reports released yet, but I'm led to believe that's not potentially just a weak injury. That might be something that might see him off the bench in the final side of things. So we know their rotation this year is probably not as strong. They've got Sorensen. They like to plug Kenny in there for a little bit and try and do a job. Obviously, I think they're going to lean a lot more on fisher Harris's minutes, because they've sort of weaned off at the back end of the year to probably prep him for the finals, because last year was broken. Um, but Lenu's power bursts in some big games, even for those 15, 20 minutes, have been pretty important. So, uh, interesting to see what comes of that one. But, yeah, I don't really know what else you could take out of this one. It's They're playing a team that season's about to conclude. And Correct. Similar deal. They're just idling towards the finals. Yeah, that's good. Um, but if you're a Penner fan, they racked up a score, and uh, as probably should have happened more times in the past – the team that won the minor premiership received the minor premiership before the conclusion of the season at their home ground, yeah, which good. is how it should be if you do win. Yeah. And that opportunity is there. So, um, yeah, moving on from that one Storm Roosters, uh, I said before, flew down last minute. Very happy I did. Wanted to make sure the lineups were good. And man, like I said, highest rating Friday night game ever probably speaks to it. Um, live, the physicality was outstanding. I thought the Roosters in that regard with their line speed, their intent, what they did on Melbourne early in the sets, what they did just around the ruck and trying to stop the momentum so Harry Grant couldn't get out. They really got stuck in a monster. His effect was pretty limited. Um, They did a really good job in their forward pack. I thought they absolutely dominated that side of the game. Melbourne, obviously resilient as always and sort of absorbed and I I think live, I said it to you, there was two things I really took out. One thing i did was Kiri certainly got his confidence back physically. His kicking game, his vision, some of the moments. There There was some stuff off camera um, there that was super impressive. And, and watching Tedesco live, not so much his attack, but he, he made a couple of awesome moments defensively. He did. Um, and some good cleanups. But <laughs> I said it to you, and we've said it many weeks here, my, how impressed I am with Sawali because we talk about, generally, it's getting used to the physicality or enjoying that physicality. He already had that part. But to watch him in person, <laughs> in the environment, what was going on the other night... To still think again, that's a kid that's literally just turned 19. Um, I was highly impressed live at the ground in what I saw. Absolutely. Um, and then just for them with their reshuffle, you know, to lose Tupou, Crichton and Hutchinson the centers. Clearly, they've seen something there that they like in Hutchinson. In his ability to catch pass, he's a strong runner. I think probably their only question, I guess, if he's playing at centre, pushing out one further than the half is his defence. The last few weeks, it's worked out fine. So they stuck with it. Melbourne didn't really... I think get at him as much as they probably should have cried and come through the juniors playing centre. So when he pushed out, he did a job. You know, Radley obviously got the KO. That was later, but that last 15 or so minutes where it just felt like Melbourne finally got plenty of possession and opportunity, they just refused to budge. Mm. Um, and like I said to you, that was the real sign for me on top of everything else over the night to let me know that the Roosters are a genuine threat. Yeah, it was
2: the best game I reckon I've seen all year. Mm. <clears throat> this one, I loved how physical it was. And just how each team just kept going after it, it was relentless. That went for eighty. Uh, Melbourne were really, really brave, mm. and yeah, the Roosters are certainly really warming into the back end of the year. And if they continue their upward trend and they keep improving, they're gonna, they're really going to challenge those top end sides at the end of the year.
1: And we sort of talked about this before. If this week's <laughs> results already predetermined and. It looks like they're going to play Souths again next week, given the fact that Tupo's out, Radley's been rested. <laughs> with a head knock, Collins has now been suspended for a few weeks. Would you risk killing the momentum per se like of seven wins in a row, or would you just look at it and go, what's it matter? Like If Jared's a bit beaten up or a few of the guys are a bit beaten up after this run to get us in, let's refresh for a week, maybe rest a couple of players despite the occasion, which I'm really looking forward to, the opening of the new stadium, mm-hmm. um, and get ourselves ready for week one. Not risk anyone else.
2: If I can't move, I'm
1: resting. Yeah, there you go. And I sort of thought similar that day. Someone said, well, if one's seven, they come off the back of a heavy origin period, like, do you think they could do it for another four or five weeks in a row? I'm like, well, it'd be a hell of an effort to go 11 or 12 in a row, which is what they're going to need to do. Yeah. But they, only they know internally if this guy's there that are at a point now after that run just to get into the finals, if they need a rest. Yeah. And if they do, I'm with you. I know the occasion's huge and it would probably piss off again fans in the league and whatnot, but if you're, you know, you're pre- It's your whole ideal is to win a competition. You do what's best for trying to win a competition. Of course. So, if that is them coming to this week going, Look, we can't move. We're going to play them next week. That's locked in. Get the whole occasion. <laughs> you know, it's their home ground, etc. But this is happening again next week. There's four or five guys here that are not busted, but could definitely benefit from a week off. I'd be doing it. Um, on the Melbourne side of things, as we know an adjustment after all those injuries. Again, the other night, it wasn't pretty, but I was still pretty impressed for what's on the field at this point in time um, and the adjustments they've made. Again, probably live, like I said, said this year as well, the forward pack hasn't been as impressive. Um, hmm. That's probably the one thing that sort of worries me heading into the campaign. Like, in the even the weeks prior, I know Nelson was a big focal point this week in the battle he had with Jared, but besides Nelson, there's not a lot of guys there that are really leaving a dent or making an imprint. Like, Felice did a lot of Clean-up work and a lot of hard work off the ball, but just forward, go-forward situation or impact. And Cheese was probably the other one that was a bit disappointing uh, for his last home game there live. <laughs> made a couple of errors, didn't have his best game. So, yeah, between those guys and, say, Tui, there's not as much punch in the forward pack. But Jerome Hughes on the flip side, I remember I you as well. He was huge. Similar deal. Watching him live, the change and the growth in him over the past few seasons, he, he, was, he was immense. Um, so it's good to get down there. Uh, for the first time in a few years, bumper a crowd, a hell of a game, but two serious teams. But Roosters, again, after seeing that live, in my estimations, are just, yeah, they've really moved up in my book. I'd say tomorrow, again, if you told me they were playing the Cowboys or they were going to play the Sharks, etc., what we saw against Penrith six or so weeks ago before this run started, I, I think they're definitely a top four side, but that probably missed the jump with some injuries and situation early on the year.
2: Boy, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to rue some of the games they lost early.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, they, they lost to the Knights, they lost to the Bulldogs. There they lost to the Dragons,
2: there. I think, on Anzac Day. They
1: take one of them, they're right back in the mix for top four. But, yeah, on top of that, injuries and other issues as well. But, man, that was impressive to watch live. Um, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, like we said before, there were some issues that people want to take out of the game. Like Again, I think you could find things on both sides. It's just a hell of a game of football. It was a hell of a game of football. Uh, but moving on from that one, Raiders Manly, uh, not a lot, honestly, you can say again, except uh, Canberra, a similar deal, had that loss to the Dragons, which you sort of thought, man, lying through them, then a week later they beat the Storm, you're like, I can't figure this team out. And since then, again, they're 6-1. and one. They've gone on a run. It's obviously needed Brisbane as well to sort of capitulate on there and the things to let this situation be possible. But now it is literally on the doorstep of what we described at the start of the year. We both picked them, I'm pretty sure, in our predictions to come 8th, and said that things might be a bit shaky, but we think they could eke out enough wins probably early on to mean that if they did have a flat spot, they could pick up at the back end of Um with Fogarty missing, Hodgson missing, etc. It's come to fruition, but again, I think it's more to the Brisbane situation than what they've done earlier in the year. But regardless, this is how Rugby League works. Sometimes you get these opportunities, and it's, it's at their fingertips This week, they get. The Tigers at Leichhardt, who... I think they've played the Raiders or they've played teams plenty of times in the last round and been in position themselves to either make the eight or you know, ruin someone's chances of being in the eight and it hasn't been a happy hunting ground round 25 mm. for the Tigers in recent years. So Canberra head there in a situation to wrap this thing up unless Brisbane obviously lose the night before, but Canberra's going to know the situation coming into this week. Exactly. Um, yeah, And in this game again, Manly's a team that's season's just absolutely fallen apart, we've said it the last few years and a lot of Manly fans get angry, but they spent their cap wrong. They're too top-heavy, in particular their number one player is a guy that's been very injury-prone once he goes out. They have some issues. Um, they obviously had the whole Pride jersey around issue. There's other stuff going on with that squad, but they've got a lot of injuries at the moment. Um, they've never really recovered from what happened a few weeks ago. There's now legends off the field talking about the coach's situation where the club's at. Like, there's just a lot of negativity around Melbourne, uh, Manly at the moment, and there wasn't a lot to take out of this game that was positive. Yeah,
2: of course, but they've got plays out yeah
1: they do So, but I'm worried probably genuinely and this is something we'll talk about when we review it moving forward I'm worried about where they're going moving forward because again you can't rely on Tommy at this point in time they are top heavy and there's a lot going out the door again this year and not much coming back in because of their cap situation <clears throat> so I'm just trying to figure out what the bloody hell's is going on <clears throat> and then you look at what sort of walked out the door over the last three or four years they've made some bad decisions in recruitment and retention <laughs> um, yeah, So
2: look at their reserve grade
1: yeah, it's, it's an interesting one if you're a Manly fan right now. But for Canberra, yeah, all, all the things that we hoped at the start of the year have sort of come to the fore. Their left edge has developed into a hell of a combination between Jack and Hudson Young in, in particular, who, if again, a lot of these guys are going to go play for Samara and Togger and that I think he might be a, a bit of a roughie for one of the back row spots or a potentially a squad spot for Australia
2: mm.
1: at this point in time. But their left edge has improved at a sight. Tarpany's been close to the best prop in the competition, which is certainly made up for what I think is a little bit of a drop Joshua Josh Papali's game, he's not the player he was two years ago. Um, the dual hooker situation's worked out. Fogarty coming back in. Again, slowly getting there. I don't think he's been outstanding just yet, but it still makes a difference to organising, kicking, pressure off Jack. Their back five. is back to sort of doing what they do best, which is just racking up some yards and getting good set starts. And Xavier brings a bit of a point of difference, which they didn't have, I think, with Chance there. Chance was a grinder, but just pure speed, and he's got a moment or two in him every game. Um, and the balance on the bench will come back to form. Horsburgh back to form. Like, uh, Harrow and I can kind of cover a couple of positions and make an impact. You know, they're they, they coming good at the right time and their destiny's in their own hands.
2: Absolutely.
1: But moving away from that. Dog Sharks, I thought this was a terrible game, um, if i being honest. Yeah, it was a tough watch. It was a tough watch, <laughs> and that's what I sort of said Yeah, This is my only concern with Cronulla. 10-1, and their draw, the back end's been, you know, all of the teams that are basically written off, so they've just been cruising along, ticking the boxes, but... I still don't like the fact that they've consistently made 15-plus errors. They've been up near almost the 20 mark multiple times, and I just more mean on a weekly basis that's not going to be good enough or acceptable come week one, week two, if they find themselves in those sort of games, if they land against the Melbourne or Penrith or Parramatta, and then week two again if it was a win or a loss or a prelim. I get it, the risk it to, to get the biscuit sort of football, and they like to move it around. But if you make those sort of errors in a more defensive-orientated finals-type games where that level lifts, I think that could really bite Cronulla on the ass. So I'm sort of hoping at the moment it's just more the fact they're idling and waiting for the opportunity. On yeah, the plus side, they do play a good brand of football. They have continued winning despite missing four or five starting players, and they're potentially going to get most of those guys back for week one of the finals. So... They're in a great position. Do I think they've overachieved? I, I thought they were a in for the top eight. Um, to make top four or to get a home final finish second, I think they've definitely overachieved. Um, but, yeah, I think it was finals or nothing, given the way the rosters panned out. Yeah, I agree. So, but I think, yeah, they've definitely probably gone further than what probably people expected. But, again, helps out when you have zero origin representation bar one player at the back end, and they got a lot of those teams ahead of them in that point of the year where they got to chalk up two or three wins that would have been much harder games if they had to play them outside of origin, which is one of the things with the draw, which unfortunately, bar the 2020 COVID season, is just not fair in the NRL, unfortunately. It's just the way things are. Yeah. So, kudos to Cronulla. They've taken full advantage of that and they're potentially looking at a home final at the Prize. Happy days for them. Uh, Bulldogs, similar deal. There's not much to say other than, like we said the other week, Uh, once everything sort of pans out at a club and all the adrenaline and talk around a situation is, is sort of sorted um, and people realise the reality of what's coming form sort of drops off a cliff like unfortunately there's a lot of these guys moving on like you know we already know about Vaughn, Marshall King there's talk about Pungo Jr being moved on, talk about Thompson Dufty's already gone, Stimson's going to be gone Dory Hoffman Young Cook Tui Palatu, Wake, like, they're basically going to move on half their squad but now they've got a coach they've got some signings coming in most of these other guys know this, are so their future sorted? All that sort of bluster and wind and let's prove a point or, you know, when balls are up in the air, that's all sort of hit the ground now and it feels like most of these blokes are ready to go on holiday. Mm. So, unfortunate for Bulldogs fan because it was a good little period there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the one positive probably from our perspective or our side of things, I think Mick's done a, a great job and... He was able to sort of say last week that he'd spoken to Serrata on the club and it looks like they're potentially going to find a role for him there. So hopefully that does work out. Absolutely. So uh, obviously nothing quite locked in. He's done an excellent job. Just yet. But Pretty I've, ordinary
2: situation.
1: Yeah, and we would say it all the time. There's some people in rugby league who keep getting jobs or people in jobs that you just look at and go, how the fuck's that even possible? But I think Mick's certainly a guy you'd like to have around in the situation there and right now. Hmm. He proved it. what he did. The group bought into. What he does, he's someone who's been at that club. Um, he's somebody I think would be good with the direction they're heading in and what he's done. and Again, with a guy who's a first-time coach, with a guy that's coached now in the NRL England, lower grades, played at the highest level, I think he could do much worse than having someone like him around. Well, he might be you. the only one that'll be around. Mm. So, there you go. Moving on from that one. Seattle's Cowboys. Uh, it was ugly. There's no other way to sort of put that, but I think this sort of pointed out a few things, and again, similar for South. South sort of worry me in the sense that their best football is good enough to beat anybody. Mm. But if, like you said the other week, they don't get things sort of their way in terms of a set-start game or getting their plays on this, that, and the other. When it plays cycling football and the ball's in play and there's fatigue and kicking and a lot of you know yardage and rucking out and one out and kicking, turn your opposition around, they're sort of not the biggest fan of that. Yeah. Um. And in this sort of game, I think they made it a lot harder than probably what it needed to be. For the Cowboys, I saw all of my favorite principles in them, despite the fact um, they missed a little bit out of their spine and they made some errors on the night. But they're relentless, play one-two. They kick well, their energy's there for 80 minutes. They defend, they pressure hard, they chase, they try to load up and tee off. But I think probably the biggest thing it got pointed out here is I think Drinkwater has to be their fullback. When Drinkwater plays yeah, in the front line... Mm takes away sort of the balance that they had where Chad's obviously steering wheel, but Chad's obviously not a game-breaker. He's not a creator. Tommy, outside of him, picks and chooses his times to run. He's really good at getting deep in a line, hitting the back row short, and those two sort of controlling what's going on in the front line dictates where Drinkwater can just pop up and inject himself in the moments. When he's parked on an edge, I think at times he overplays his we hand. We didn't
2: play on the edge on the weekend. He played fullback.
1: Uh, they sort of moved him around a little bit, and they had Hamisa obviously moving around as well, but I don't like him defending front line. I don't like him being parked on one edge. He's better when he just can do whatever he wants to do. Um, and from that perspective, I guess, Tommy's probably a little bit underappreciated, And I think he probably proved his worth in the direction that he's held uh, headed in after making the move in Origin 3, where a lot of people probably raise their eyebrows going, Tommy Dearden's played Origin. Origin. Like, T- Tommy Dearden's a fair player mm. for his age, and to overcome what he has, in particular in the Brisbane situation where he got flushed and... Wasn't really supported, and you know, a guy that debuted at 18 years old, um, I think he's a pretty underrated piece of that team. Of course, he is, yeah. So, yeah, but this one for both teams, I think, is one that it, it was billed as a big clash, but a lot of errors, a lot of ill discipline. The finish was pretty good. I thought Felt's individual trial was outstanding. It was a very, very good trial, yeah. Brought the game into a little bit of a bit of the light there, but um, yeah, obviously, finish. just couldn't really put him
2: away, I thought. No. Nah. The difference of Cook not being there was significant. I really, really struggled with his options and his vision, in good ball in particular, mm. which I thought stifled their attack. Uh, I thought South got themselves into much better positions, but their execution was pretty poor.
1: Yeah, and similar deal again. I think Cowboys like to play that opposite style of game. They like to cycle, keep the ball in play, turn you around, load up, play one, two, pretty much the opposite of what South liked to do. I
2: never felt like the Cowboys were going to win the game, but geez, they tried their asses off.
1: 100%, and like you said, you certainly know what you're going to get every single week uh, from their side of things. But like I said, 30 errors total in the game. It wasn't the cleanest game of football, that's for sure. But similar for South, most importantly, like the Roosters, they lock in their final spot. And similar deal to Demetrio, another guy that instantly, oh, was Reynolds going a mistake? Is the curse of Wayne Lingering around all the crap that he caught the first few weeks of the year? He backed in a young seven. He's had to reshuffle some spots in his back line. He had injuries earlier in the year to deal with. Um, They've pushed on. They've navigated that period. Their guys go through origin. You know, Cam Murray didn't really play a lot of football, had surgery and was missing for that middle part of the year and they've now landed in the eight. So I think for them, that's a pretty successful year. Yeah. Um, And If they go on to to win a finals game and get the week two or three, that would be huge considering, you know, the situation. Mm But. Moving on from that one, these last two games, I'm going to be completely honest, I didn't really see much of. We had our last game on the weekend, and just on the flip side of that, no offence to fans of these teams, but there was no finals teams involved in these games. So, um, not going to say I sat in and watched them in depth for the 80, but to be completely honest, 24-22, the Tigers game. This pretty much just summed up again where the Tigers are. The poor bastard. Well they found a way to lose. Didn't they, they found the way to lose a game that they led the whole way. And then the moments at the end, things like the P the Puiga moment where he doesn't know the rule for the ten metres and Kamali pretty much said as much in the press conference afterwards. Giving away that penalty, the Capoa moment and getting charged and then to give away a penalty goal, which then turns into, you know, not just the equaling play of the game but the match winning. It's just yeah, it's incredible. It really is. And I thought for sure right there I'm like, wow you know, I thought your your team would probably win on the day as well, but I thought this will really be an interesting battle to see who ends up with a spoon. But for them to drop that one the way they did, mm-hmm. is now pretty much ensure that they do get the wooden spoon. I think the difference now is like eighty points, so not only would they have to win, they need the Titans to lose, and they need to win significantly, and the Titans to lose significantly. So, unfortunately for the West Tigers, it probably really sums up the year and all the leaks and everything that's happened in general that they're going to walk away with the wooden spoon. Yeah, uh, but guaranteed, surely. If you're a fan, you'd be hoping at Leichhardt this week um, with a big rollout for Father's Day, they could dish up a good performance. But who knows? Doubt it. Who knows? Um, there's been a lot of talk, you know, about Sheens and Marshall, and a lot of people saying that Kamali's basically been left in the lurch here to carry the torch to the back end of the year, and he's been hung out to dry. Um, and why wouldn't these guys come in earlier and make a point of difference? Some have said, well, the Ross is going to be different. Well. It's not really going to be that different, to be honest. There's not a whole lot of change or movement. So I've, I'd think for now, maybe, regardless of that point, of them not saying it publicly, sure, they've had some influence in the background. Yeah, definitely. So people talk about trial and position, slipping guys in and out. I have no doubt in my mind that that's something they already would have been doing. But realistically, they know that Arp oh, coming 100%. He's guaranteed that. Properly, they're all saying publicly that he's coming, but I still don't think we've heard the end of that right now. I'd be worried. Mm. But there has been some positives. Uh, as hard as... Things saying They've blooded a couple of good kids. Um, you know, I think in terms of the back end of the year, looking at guys like Polley and a few of the ones they rolled in, they debuted another kid on the weekend, and end ended up getting four minutes in uh, Katoga but Matamu getting a game, etc. But I think the hard big thing here, and we said this the other week, all these guys coming through and the ones they're talking about in Harold Matthews, it's not going to fix your problem in 12 months. They need years, they need a couple of pre seasons, they need games. Like even those guys we just talked about, like, they need two or three seasons as well. Yeah. So I think the bigger point from here is what they do, cap wise, getting good people in around those kids for now. If that's the long game they're going to play and making smart decisions, not paying over inflated contracts to guys that are just going there to take the piss. And exactly. I'm hoping under but it's going to be how
2: they how they attract them.
1: Yeah, but the thing how is, do they do it? you know, in the past that was sort of the game. But if they're willing to sort of accept for the next few years, they're probably not going to be the top eight side. And just bringing good guys, good professionals, and some good middle-of-the-road players to help really focus on building up their kids and getting that right, well, unfortunately, there's going to be a bit of pain, but it's just, I guess, how they do it moving forward. Yeah. Um, another interesting one, I guess, it's pretty much looking like it's been confirmed, but Jock Madden looks like he is going to go to Penrith. Wow. Yeah. So, that's huge for Penrith. Well, I
2: haven't signed him at the West Tigers when he was in Newcastle, Jock. So
1: well, I still said we said the other week. I can't believe Newcastle aren't looking because he'd be a pretty cheap option to bring in and give an opportunity given their situation. Mm. They could do worse than bring about one of their own. But probably sure. s- speaks to the situation again. Have another one of these guys realizing that he might be better off going to a successful club for twelve months, um, even if it is for limited opportunities to become a better player. Yeah. So waiting for an announcement, but there was talk again around. Them having a sniff, or does he stay at the Tigers, or does he go to Newcastle, or the Bulldogs might have looked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it looks like another one of these younger guys is probably looking at his situation, and thinking, "Look, not learning much here, hasn't been very beneficial. Could go to another club that's in an order position, and my career might be over. Or I spend twelve months with one of the best halves pairings in the competition, the best halfback, learn there, playing a really strong pathway, train around the best players, iron shines sharpens, uh, sharpens iron, and maybe ends up like O'Sullivan in a twelve months' time." where he gets to prove a point in a few games during the year, shows his worth and goes to a better situation. Um, but we'll wait for an announcement. But yeah. if, if that's the yeah. case, they've made some real shrew signings in the last few weeks. I think getting Hosking after Brisbane gave me his opportunity for a few weeks and seeing what he could do. Again, insert him in that system. Garner, out of Tigers, I've always sort of liked Garner. But again, you look at what he's been working with there and what he could potentially be playing with at Penrith. Um, you know, I think... For what they've got and their cap restrictions and what they've got to do with their roster, Penrith made some pretty good moves for next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, on the Tigers side of things, just like I said, heartbreaking to lose in that manner. Um, for the Dragons, I guess, good considering, again, a lot of talk around the situation. Like you're hearing the stuff around Griffin. We talked about Seraldo, Ben Hunt trying to tie his contract to Griffin. The stuff weeks before about favouritism to older players now talk about trying to push McCulloch out. There's talk that Laurie's unsettled and wants to release. Jaden Sewell's not happy and wants to release. There's, I think, unfortunately for the Dragons, there's going to be more spot fires over the off season. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, but Honestly, it's a bit like we said, like, I think they need to make a decision. Honestly, what are they doing? Mm. With this many spot fires, sure, you just put your hand up. Take the, you know, take the L. Look at Flanagan. Look at somebody else. I think, again, I don't know. I know there's a lot of frustrated fans right now probably punching their keyboards or put their fish to the gyp rock because the Dragons generally especially when we used to do fan questions were probably the highest volume uh, sort of people but yeah I don't know frustrating better luck next year yeah Uh, and the one to wrap us up your Titans get a win and avoid the spoon against the Newcastle Knights and I guess we see what we always want to see game of basketball no problem uh, attacking but on the defensive side of things I will say one thing. They showed more resilience than I expected at the back end of the game considering Brian Kelly got sent off in the 51st minute. Um, they considered twice after that, but they scrambled their asses off and did a lot better than what they thought they would. Well, it just
2: proves, can Some of our best defense came when we had 12. So That's what bothered makes me. Makes sense
1: of like, that. Under duress and probably the anger of the situation, the adrenaline wanted to dig in for your mate. They defended probably better than I've seen given the circumstances. Yeah. They turned him away. They denied him a couple of tries. It was an absolute joke of a... No try to Jacob Safita, though. I thought that was a try for sure. Mm. But the bunker somehow fucked that up. I agree, yeah. um, But overall, yeah, again, this is one of those games where, like, what do you really want me to say? Titans did what they usually do. Their back row was really impressive. Brimson had a pretty good game. Boyd again. Uh, Mars used rocks and diamonds, but, my God, he's powerful. And, yeah, I guess for them, we've said it a 100 times, there's no doubt in what they can do with the ball. And some of those individuals can do attacking-wise, but defensively. Their application across 80 minutes and week-to-week is... Yeah, you know, just hit and miss, and for Newcastle, it's similar deal. Just waiting for a triple A. Yeah. And where do they go from here? The the Ponga thing's apparently been cleared today, and the NRL's done
2: no fine, no
1: punishment. So I don't really know what Newcastle will do then. I don't, no, nothing. Can't Slipp really do anything if nothing's happening. But that on top of everything else, and handing him that huge contract, and who are their halves next year? Can Brayley stay healthy? Some disgruntled forwards. Who's coming in? It's a similar situation. Yeah. I think there's a few spot fires still to be put out in their off-season, but Peter Parr's come in looking like he's going to be ruling with a bit of an iron fist, and I think he's going to be a little bit more controlled, so fingers crossed for the Newcastle fans that they can see some positivity heading into uh, the off-season. hope so. There we go. We move on from that one as well, and we'll jump in to a preview of the final round of the regular season at the NRL, thanks to bluebet.com.au, and... uh, as has been the case for the last few weeks, outstanding offer still there for all NRL games where if you back a team head to head and they lead by six points or more at half time, Blue Bet will pay you out as a winner, up to hundred dollars in winnings, lead at six at half time, you win terms and you can supply and gamble responsibly. Charity account, I'm thinking again potentially about just riding the Hudson train. If I would have done that the last few weeks, I would have probably banked five hundred bucks, but Yeah, we'll stop the Hudson train. I was sporadically on and off on different bets, which was stupid of me. So hopefully uh, find another winner this weekend for the Bears of Hope, our charity of choice this year. Uh, Let's look at those lineups and where we're at in terms of these games for the final round. The first one, the top four clash to seal fourth place. It is the Parramatta Eels up against the Melbourne Storm uh, tomorrow night. At Combank, in terms of Parramatta, Regan, Campbell-Gillard. Only received a fine, so they come through with the same 17 for this clash at home for the Storm. Tom Eisenhooth, his season is over from the tackle. From Lindsay Collins, he's out. Um, He's off the bench, so Chris Lewis comes in. Felice first, he starts after being off the bench last week. Tui Kamika-Mika goes back to the bench. Josh King starts at lock. Brandon Smith on the bench, but they've been swapping on game day, so probably expect that and the big one I guess now is Jerome Hughes it has been ruled out for Cooper Johns so Mm. um, that's a huge blow for me so I think the Eels will be wrapping up a top four spot
2: yeah I'll pick the Eels not with a lot of confidence though
1: no but I guess again you've been given this opportunity and now with Hughes out that's a big blow you have to take advantage surely at home you'd hope so so if I'm a Parramatta fan I again got my fingers crossed but they seem to somehow get up for the bigger games and Flopping some of those smaller games, but the opportunity is here for a top four spot and a potential clash with Penrith week one. With bluebet.com.au, a sixty favorite now. The Storm are $2.25 outsiders. Minus three and a half is the line. And also, just forgot, last week we both got perfect rounds. So they're standing now on one you You're twenty seven. The early Friday game, Dogs versus Manly um, in terms of changes there. Luke Thompson is among the reserves trying to come back from covid Corey Whedell's back from that long suspension in the back row. Joe Stimson goes back to the bench. Davida Pungo Jr. comes back after being dropped to New South Wales Cup last week. Harrison Edwards and Josh Stuckey, who debuted last week, are out. For Manly, KO Weeks gets a crack at playing fullback, which is the position he's played all the way through coming at the grades. Cooler, who played fullback last week, goes to the centres. Benny Triboyevich to the bench. Andrew Davy and Dilla Walker join the starting pack. Bully Moore goes to the bench. Aloye is out of the side. Uh, it's a hard run, but I've seen more out of the Bulldogs. And, you know, it's their home game. Manly fans don't generally travel. They're farewelling a fair few people, so I'll give yeah, the going, Bulldogs.
2: I'm going the doggies.
1: Um, I'd like to think that Manly will turn up, you know, for the exit of 4 and a couple of these other guys, but I thought they were have Manly
2: done. turned up at the exit about three weeks ago. Yeah, okay.
1: and I thought the game at Brookvale was their chance to send those guys off, and they certainly didn't. So yeah. I don't see why it would be any different. So we're both on the dogs and bluebet.com.au agrees. $1.48 of Dogs, two sixty five for Manly. Minus six and a half the line there. Roosters, Rabido's blockbuster at the new Allianz Stadium. Uh, looking at that one. The Roosters, they've obviously lost Radley to concussion. They're going to give him the week. Daniel Tupo, we're not sure about length of time yet. He's got the green injury. And Lindsay Collins is suspended. So Toki Aho goes to lock. Momorowski from 18th man to the wing. Hutchison stays In the centres, Fletcher Baker promoted to the bench and Terrell May also in for those spots and for the Rabbitohs. Damian Cook is sidelined by COVID still. I'm not sure if they'll play him or not. He's not named at all uh, in the 22, but there were some changes coming. I think I only saw before that it's a five-day isolation period, so don't know if they could make a late change now or not, but I don't see why they would, um, especially given they potentially know their fate after the Thursday game. Um, Centre... Campbell Graham is out injured. Surely that's after the head knock. It had to have been a head knock. But I don't, yeah, I don't know how he didn't do a HI in the night, though. Yeah, I'm with you. But, you know, Havili starts at hooker again. Um, Campbell Graham is replaced by Jackson Paulo coming back into the centres. Cody Nicarima is dropped to the reserves. Peter Mamazoulos is on the bench there to share the hooking role. So, um, looking at this one, still without Cook. I think it'll be a very physical game. Uh, there was talked at Luttrell... It was absent from training, but he's back home. I'm not, that wouldn't worry me. You know, he's going to play, but um, not knowing who's potentially going to play or if they'll arrest more players, I'll go with the Roosters for now. But
2: Yeah, me too. But I don't If know. it
1: was settled like you, I know it would probably piss some fans off, but yeah, if there was anyone there that needed a break and they couldn't move anywhere and they were going to play again the week after, I'd happily pull a couple of guys if I was the Roosters yeah. and just say, oh, well, we'll, we'll focus on next week. Might end up watching some New South Wales Cup guys play. Opening of a brand new stadium, but mm. again, it is what it is. But the odds with that one, bluebet.com, we're both on the Roosters, There's a $1.82 favorite they are currently. The Rabbit has $2 minus one and a half is the line there. The Warriors, early Saturday, up against the Titans. Like we said, their sponsor, Vodafone, has bought all the tickets and given away for free to the fans. So expecting a bumping crowd and that place to be rocking. Johnson's name despite a calf injury. Ewan and Aiken, Jesse Arthur's Wade Egan, Marcelo Montoya, Rocco Berry all return to the side with Army of a layup. Adam Pompey, Edward Coasey, Dunamis Louis, Antonio Otacolo dropping out while Freddie Lusty goes to the bench. So big swag of changes there um, for the Titans. Philip Semi returns after missing last week with a concussion. He takes over from Brian Kelly, who's been suspended for a month for his dangerous <laughs> tackle. Um, I really like what I've seen out of the Titans, and I'm sure this one will be an absolute cricket score. But given the circumstances of last home game in New Zealand after what they've done the last few years, I think they'll be well and truly up for it. So okay. we will give them the slight edge. But, yeah, interesting to see how this one plays out. But expecting the overs. Let's put it that way. Who's your tip? I'm going to the Warriors. Yeah, me too. Just give them the slight upside at home. But odds on that one with bluebet.com.au, $1. fifty-two favorite are the Warriors Titans. two fifty-five if you like them. To cause the upset with that cricket score that I'm predicting. And minus five and a half is the line. Dragons Broncos again. Playing for their season and still needing a result on Sunday. Uh, looking at this one. The Broncos. Adam Reynolds been named despite that head knock. We'll wait and see what happens there. Flegler who went to hospital with a throat issue is expected to play. Pat Carrigan returns after that suspension. That's a big in. Selwyn Cobbo is back after being arrested. And Kevvy has brought in Tyus and Gamble and dropped Ezra Mam. So... Clearly looking to tighten things up a little bit, but I think that'll hurt them attacking-wise. Branko Lee and Kobe Hetherington will miss the game. Deloise Hoyter comes in to the centres and for the Dragons. The same 17 that won last week, but Andrew McCulloch is listed amongst the reserves. Um, again, with not a lot of confidence, carrying him back in. Flagler potentially playing. What's going on, Brisbane? A lot relies on Reynolds. I'm with you. Brisbane have got something to play for, even though hopes are slim, um, but yeah, you, you think if they've got any sort of soul, given what's been going on at all the talk this weekend, they'll turn up at least for the last round, regardless. But we'll have to wait and see. Both on the Broncos, Bluebet.com.au agrees a dollar sixty favourite. Dragons two thirty five minus four and a half is the line there. Cowboys Panthers. Uh, they've got hermiso named in the six this week. Drinkwater back in the one jersey, which is interesting. Tommy Diddens listed amongst the reserves, so it could be a late inclusion. Um, but that one is interesting because they said it could be anywhere up to a month, but I wouldn't be pushing him if he's not ready. Cohen Hess is out. He's suspended for one game. Ruben Cotter moves back in the start. Griffin Ean comes onto the bench. And for Penrith, well, I could name all of them, but basically their whole starting 13, essentially, are gone. Are out. So this week, they've got a lot of guys in different spots. Taruva gets another run on the wing. Stains is at fullback. Sort of surprised me. I know that's probably Stain's best position. That's the way they play for here, but I would have rather probably play Taruva. De- Debutants are the ones that you always look forward to. Tom Jenkins, really good kid, who come out from the young cherry pickers. He gets a debut in the centres. He's the leading try scorer. New South Wales Cup, Kurt Falls, getting another game of first grade. Good opportunity for him. Uh, Hopgood, who I know he's signed with Parramatta, which is probably the reason they haven't given him a lot of opportunities, but to me, I'd have him in the 17 every week. Well, he's been in the 17 the last couple of weeks. And uh, on the bench, two more debutants, as well as the club debutants. So Eddie Blacko, who played at the Dragons, has been you know, toiling away for a year and a half. Very good player. In their cup side, he's getting a chance on the bench. Debutant Liam Henry, who's part of their program out there. He's from Blaney, as long as Jack Cole, who's a New South Wales under-19s player early in the year. who's playing halves, I think, in Fleg. In cup, they've been using him in halves. Playing center as well. Hooker, he sort of plays a lot of roles, so... My sort of thought here possibly is if the game isn't uh, within winning reach, I think O'Sullivan, they might take him out and give him some time at nine or they might give him some time at nine for Mitch Kenny. I don't know. But a lot of guys here have been playing really good football in New South Wales Cup, getting another run, which is not a bad thing for Penrith in case they have to call anyone for the finals. Exactly, yeah. So why not? And Maverick, MG's young bloke. He's 18th man this week. So, That's cool. I don't know. If anything happens there, he might find himself making his, first making his debut. But Preston Rickey it's been good for the Panthers there. He's another one that's very, very close. And At- Atavalu Lazardi. so. I
2: like Atavalu Lazardi. Yeah,
1: they've got a few Previewed guys. Previewed him
2: a few weeks ago before we played them in New South Wales Cup. But Still flagged. played him in flag that day. I was yeah. thankful for that.
1: So they've got a few really good young guys Dynamic, there. Dynamic,
2: young, good footwork, offload, powerful.
1: Yeah. Congrats to those three debutants. Um, all well deserved. But the odds, as you probably expect, I'm sure you're on the Cowboys as well. Yeah, very lopsided once you take out basically a whole first-grade side. The Cowboys at home are a eleven favorite. The Panthers, $6.50, minus 19.5 is the line in that one. And the Sunday to wrap up the final round, Father's Day, Newcastle at home against the Sharks. This is the only chance, I guess, for the Cowboys to get that home final again would be Newcastle to turn up on the last day and put in a big one. But Anthony Milford's out with an injury. Phoenix Crossland starts at 5'8". Chris Randall joins the bench alongside Jack Johns. Matt Croker starts with Sue dropping out of the side. No sign of Kurtman. Mitch Barnett. Um, and that's the end of Mitch Barnett's career at the Newcastle Knights. For the Sharks, Dale Finucane's in the reserves. Possible return from a rib injury. Mattic Cavallo is also back from a groin strain. So, Kael Ira, who a uh, really good player. Not the greatest debut. He had five errors of his own, unfortunately. Yeah. But very, very strong in his yardage work. Absolutely. Oh, I've got a big future. And Connor Trez is also going to be arrested. Why would you play? him? From I don't know why you play Dale. He's playing no one. You just don't play anyone. No,
2: anyone who's under a cloud is not playing.
1: Exactly. Um, I still back the Sharks regardless of who's in or out. Unfortunately, Me too. Newcastle haven't showed enough. But if you're the Cowboys, you got your fingers crossed that they somehow want to turn up in the last game of the year and cause an upset and catch the Sharks on the back foot. But I cannot see it. Happening, neither can bluebet.com.au. Sharks are $1.12 favorite. 6.25 in the Knights minus 16.5 is the line and the game that could potentially be the decider for the final spot in the eight, pending what happens in the Brisbane game. The Tigers at home. Leichhardt, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Again, Father's Day. Hopefully a bumper crowd, plenty of people out and interested. James timer returns from suspension, which could potentially be the last game of his career. Um, Zane Musgrove returns to the bench. Kemba Molo is back on the wing. Luke Garner's been named at the centers. Returning from head knock. Asil Kapoa and Junior Puago drop out. Peachy gets another crack on the bench. Jacob Little goes to 18th man. Kotoga goes out after debuting last week. And Luke Brooks' season is over. He's been not named again from his injury. The Raiders' Kochik returns. Albert hopper goes to 18th man. And that is the only change. So, surely the Red Hot Raiders come into this one and lock in a final spot. Yeah, I agree. The odds on that one. favorite, the Raiders, with bluebet.com.au. $3.95, the Tigers, minus 12.5 is the line there. Surprise, surprise, you get further along in the year. We've tipped an identical round. There you go. So, there you go. That wraps us up for another week here on the 5th and last annual podcast. Thank you to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the True Blue Bookie. Download the app today or visit the website. Thanks to Jake and the crew Penrith Solar Centre give them a call at 1829 or visit the website and uh, like we said probably over the next few weeks the football's going to be limited but we've got the World Cup camp as well hijack.tv you can get that on Apple or the Google Play stores we'll sneak a few games in now we don't have as many commitments with our football ending so we're back to sort of a normal sort of time frame not that life's still not busy but we're not got football five or six times a week now mm. which is very very different for us Uh Really looking forward to this final series. Like we said, hopefully a cracker last round. Still a couple of games there with some bits and pieces to play for and some things to pan out. But finals is almost here, Boxer. Very exciting month ahead. And uh, as we said, we'll probably start breaking up our content a little bit and maybe giving a little bit more during the week and able to do a little bit more in depth because we've got some free time. So really looking forward to the weeks ahead. But for now, everybody, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league
0: bring it on give us more give us more where are you going what's going on here is that it is that it